if you can understand and truly know what you love and combine it with something that people need, then I, I think that is the beginnings of having an idea or a concept to start playing around with and, and start developing. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. We are still recording remotely and today my guest is an entrepreneur and farmer turned founder whose hobby and idea became a hugely successful business. He is the creator of Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirits company. His product is stocked in restaurants and bars all across London. I'm sure you've seen it everywhere and the team has now grown to more than 70 people in such a short time. I'm so excited to have you as a guest today joining us virtually welcome to the virtual studio ben branson thank you very much for having me this is awesome i mean slightly strange but i feel like now every week i say the same thing which is bear with us on the sound we're not in the shoreditch <laughs> studio which would be great but um yeah we're making it happen yeah well i'm i'm uh, i'm not the biggest fan of of london and cities so i'll take the selfish happiness of uh not needing to come into London and staying out in the countryside. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Whereabouts are you? Yeah. We're just outside Hartford in Hertfordshire. Oh, so we can see. Me. Ah, okay. Yeah, we can see the Shard in a sort of hazy distance. So we, we can see London, but um, but yeah, happily not in it. Mm, yeah, I didn't realise we were kind of neighbours. But um well, yeah, thanks for said making time. I know that you've got a very busy schedule and two young children. So firstly, I guess I'd love to start off with you. For anyone who doesn't know much about you or your journey, you know, it's clear to me just from reading about your career success that, you know, Seedlip's been amazing, but you did so many other things as well before that. And, you know, I mentioned that you grew up on a farm, but you didn't want to pursue farming yourself. So could you talk to us a little bit about that journey from farmer to founder and maybe some of the lessons that you've learned along the way? Sure. Um, So my family had been farming up in North Lincolnshire for about 300 years now, still farming today, proudly. Um, not easy, but uh, but we're still going, and and that kind of legacy aspect is, I don't know, really important to me to to keep us involved with working with the land going forwards. Um, and I, you know, I loved growing up outside and making dens and playing around with ponds and um, building tree houses, and you know, just that real exposure to to the natural world, which is something that I you know, in turn, want to imbue into my children um, that we get them outside as much as possible. But I didn't, I guess I didn't really want to kind of just sit on a tractor and I didn't really want to just stay in rural, sleepy Lincolnshire. 
um, mm-hmm. sort of had a, a, a father, you know, who's in the world of brand design and worked in London and thought that was quite interesting and quite exciting and um, a bit of a different change of pace to sort of the, the slightly slow and sedentary world of, of farming. Um, but I, I, you know, I left school at 18 and I didn't go to university. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but um, I knew that I didn't need, I didn't want any kind of formal qualifications. I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to be an architect. And I, I kind of, I bought a ticket to, uh, to Thailand and went traveling um, and worked my way over a course of two years. And I, I did everything from being a bartender to learning how to fire breathe uh, to becoming a snowboard instructor in New Zealand and teaching children how to snowboard, a um, bit of landscape gardening. I did all sorts and, and I learned I learned a hell of a lot by just kind of getting stuck in working with completely, you know, a multitude of different groups of people of different ages, of different nationalities. Uh, and that really, I think, stood me in really good stead for hopefully trying to sort of understand how people tick and uh, apply that to, you know, what we drink and what we buy and what we eat and how we socialize and just a fascination with, I guess, yeah, both the natural world, but also us as human beings and how we navigate this sort of crazy journey that is life. Mm, absolutely. Well, that's fascinating to hear that. And actually, whilst you were describing that, particularly when you went traveling and doing different jobs, I was thinking about, uh, you know, something I'd read recently around this, figuring out what you don't want is just as important to informing what you do want so you know when you were doing all these different jobs that you described then you know snowboard instructing and working with kids or working behind a bar did you have I guess any expectation that back then you know at a young age did you have any expectation of like I need to figure out you know my career path for life or did you just think you know what I'm just gonna go with the flow I think I you know I Everywhere throughout my family, everybody works for themselves. And and that doesn't mean that everybody's entrepreneurs in my family, but it does mean that uh, that that kind of work ethic of taking charge of your own working life, your own career, and I guess in some ways your own destiny, um, that was definitely intuitively within me that I wanted to work for myself and Mm. I wanted to get to a point where I had my own company. I didn't know, you know, I had no idea what that was. Um, And it turned out that my first company that I had was a, you know, was a design business uh, working for different brands um, before I started Seedlip. But I I guess just I grew up around watching my family, you know, farming. And that's a lot of work and very hard work. And then also my, my father and his design business. And that was a lot of work as well, just different work. So I don't know, I, I don't think I knew what I wanted to do, but I knew that uh, you had to work hard and that it didn't come to you. You had to go and get it and you had to make your own luck, I guess. Mm, yeah, exactly. The hard work piece is you can't, nothing can replace it, can it? And I think no. that going back to, you know, this idea, I think maybe it's, society we live in now I think maybe it's the the culture now for young people anyway that I'm talking to that they feel this pressure and an expectation to kind of have a set goal work towards that goal that there isn't I don't know always that freedom to say you know what 
just do a couple of things, you may, maybe spend a year doing this, a couple of years doing that. It's almost like, you know, I feel like they put the pressures on right from, you know, 20, 21, 25. It's like all these, I think even things like the the list that people, you know, the 30 under 30, and it's like, mm. it's almost like this race against the clock to be like, how quickly can you define what your, you know, skill set is, create something that's new and innovative, scale it, build it, sell it. It has to, it's almost like this race yeah. where I think actually yeah. we're in, you know, when you do that, it's like, how do you, you know, we need time surely for things to grow and figure them out along the way. Yeah, I think young people, you're right, you know, are seemingly in this this sort of race and this sprint. Um, and the news that they absorb and are exposed to, uh, certainly within the startup, the business, the entrepreneur world, you know, are the anomalies and they are the 14-year-old, you know, who makes his first million and, and they are... Um, they are kind of the seemingly more random examples rather than the tried and tested, perhaps good old story of somebody who worked their way through their career and then set up their own business. And that then, you know, they spent 10 years then making that into a success. That That's not as, uh, that's not going to grab the headlines these days and it's not going to cut through the noise. Um, and, you know, we employ a lot of young people and they, harnessed and channeled in the right way are incredibly passionate they care far more i think than older generations about how a company's run and the values of that company and the ethics the morals mm -hmm. you know they are far more considered in wanting kind of the full 360 this is where i'm going to spend my time so i want to make sure i'm i'm aligning myself with something that fits with the way that I see the world. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we see that, you know, real life with the, with the young people that we, that we employ, which is, is a fantastic energy when you can harness it and channel it into some amazing productivity and, you know, fantastic work ethic. Um, but it can go the other way in uh, them just burning out and wanting, you know, their expectations being so high mm. uh, that, yeah, they, they get disappointed when they haven't made it uh, in their first year of their career. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting, actually, especially around, you know, young people being passionate and actually caring. I think it's really nice to hear you say that because I know that often people kind of you know the whole millennials get a bad name mm. and actually I think you're right I think people are passionate not just about you know where they work but everything it's informing everything now from our consumer habits to you know the way people interact with others they, they do care and they're willing to you know whether it's through their purchases whether it's through their actions their behaviors they're willing to showcase this is what I care about and I guess yeah it's going to inform where they work and also how they work as well. Yeah, I think, you know, we've we've probably over the last 10 years, the, the notion of what your career is and how you spend your time um, in a work capacity is, has dramatically shifted, which is massively apparent now with everybody working at home. Mm. Um, and we've created, I, I hope at, at Seedlip, we've created a kind of a working culture that aligns with the values of our team um, and how they see the world. And also is aligned with just how we live our lives in a modern day world. You know, we do so much through platforms like Slack and Zoom. Um, you know, we make the kind of team all go on holiday for a whole week. 
once a year to go and spend time in nature. They get paid to go and do that. You know, we, we sort of, we're not a company that has the slides and the table tennis tables, but we are a company mm-hmm. that I guess runs certainly nature and, and our, our care of the natural world throughout every single piece of our, our culture and, and through our teams. So, um, yeah, I, I think there is a lot written about millennials and how they can be terrible and not everyone wins a trophy, but mm-hmm. great books like that. But um, they can be fantastic. And my experience of them has been, for the most part, they are they're, they're a brilliantly exciting puzzle piece of the future. Well, and it sounds like your company is a really amazing, a fun place to work. And, and so having, <laughs> yeah, well, like, I think, cause you know, I work with um, a fitness startup and, you know, the culture I think is so different when you're in, embedded in a company from the start. And I think, you know, being in just the startup world in general, I've never worked in, I've never worked in a corporate environment, so I can't really compare that the people who have come from the corporate world into the startup um, company that I work for they absolutely love it because they just you know they can't believe that you know everything's different from the decision making to the transparency of the business I think people feel way more empowered and a part of the business instead of just you know feeling like you just go to work you do your job you leave you know I think they feel far more far more involved Um, but I mentioned that your team has grown you know so much and not sure how much you know leadership you had in your previous previous jobs I'm sure you it's grown as you have but you know when it comes to business and leading like something that comes up a lot is around risk and around risk versus reward and being okay with risk and just accepting that you know especially in like a startup world risk is just a part of the day so what is your approach when it comes to taking risk in business uh, that is a really good question I remember when I wrote my first business plan for Seedlip um you know back in sort of 2014 and my first planned kind of uh hire was a part-time intern so not just an intern but a part-time <laughs> intern um and I got that really wrong um I got lots of things really wrong in terms of the plans that I thought were going to happen and how I thought it was going to see it was going to launch quite slowly and we were just going to eke out there and actually you know, it all went gangbusters and and was really exciting. Uh, but I wasn't really prepared for the fact that I needed to actually hire a team quite quickly. Um, and there, you know, there are there are so many, as you said, risks that need to be taken every day in the world of business. And I would say that my approach has been for the first. We've been going four and a half years, and I think for the first. Three years, I'd say it was incredibly intuitive and gut-led. You know, Seedlip was the first of its kind. There was no category. There were no other uh, products in the market. Um, So we really were making up the rules. um, And we really were kind of trying to figure it out as we went. And that meant taking lots of risks, you know, and, and making lots of decisions quickly, often yeah, gut-led and uh, based on intuition and based on the brand and what what we felt was right for Seedlip to do and what we felt would connect well and relate to our audience and our customers. I think then as, you know, the last, certainly the last couple of years, the last year and a half, we've been able to, as we've learned more, balance the kind of probably more emotional risk-taking profile with a slightly more intellectual, data-led, insight-led, 
you know, numbers led profile as well. So we can actually make more balanced decisions. There's still risks, um, but they're slightly more informed and we know more, we have more data at our fingertips now, uh, and more access to information about our customers, our consumers, uh, trends, insight, behaviors that's going on around the world within the non-alcoholic space that we're able to, I think, make better, hopefully more calculated and less risky decisions than probably at the beginning where, yeah, it was, let's, let's, let's give it a go and see what happens. Mm, yeah, well, I think, yeah, I think obviously changes with as you said you know knowing that you have the information now you have the data now so you can be informed whereas I guess in the start you know being going with your intuition is 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 what you have to do and it's funny that you mentioned about trends because I think timing is key for so many things isn't it in so many businesses and I read a tweet the other day that said timing is everything know when to start know when to continue know when to stop and so I thought it was really great advice and definitely challenged me to think about a few things. So how do you think that timing played a part in the brand's success? And do you think, you know, I guess, how can people get ahead of the sense of these future trends? Because I think, you know, the non-alcoholic space and, you know, millennials and younger people wanting to be more health conscious and, and choosing not to drink has become so common and so popular. But, you know, 10, 15 years ago, nobody probably would have believed you if you'd said that people would walk into bars and ask for a non-alcoholic gin and tonic. Yeah, I, I, um, I went to Shanghai last year when we were launching there and I'd never been to to China and was, you know, incredibly excited and, and kind of intrigued to go and and I'd heard such good things and we were really excited to launch there. And I got I got uh, landed in uh, Shanghai Airport and um, came, th- you know, picked my bag up, came through into arrivals and there was a a young guy there and he had my name on a on a card. So I was like, great, um, this you know this is the the taxi is going to take me to the hotel um so i was like nice to meet you okay great we get to his car anyway he said oh can you sit in the front which and he spoke english he said you know can you sit in the front i said sure no problem um anyway i sat down next to him and he started kind of unbuttoning his shirt which <laughs> i found was a little bit strange um and he pulled his sleeve up to reveal one of our illustrations on our bottles tattooed on his arm. No way. And I was, you know, my, my kind of, yeah, my jaw slightly dropped. I was just like, what, you know, what, what is going on here? Um, and he's like, look, I, I'm not actually a taxi driver. I'm a bartender here in Shanghai. Um, I love your products. And so I, I heard you were coming and um, I wanted to come and pick you up and show you just how much I, I love seed lip. Um, and I know you like tattoos as well. So anyway, it was, it was, I, I, I kind of, I guess, share that story just as an indication of how far reaching, um, this movement has now sort of, sort of is happening. It, it, it is a global movement and we are now realizing that if you're not drinking alcohol for whatever reason, you should get access to a great, grown-up, sophisticated, delicious option. And you shouldn't be treated like a child or be the one sat in the corner, you know, drinking some horrible blend of fruit juice and sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's, that's to me, that's incredibly exciting. 
um, I still think, you know, we are just getting started and we are literally just scratching the surface of, of what's possible. There is a long way to go. Um, but the indicators are all there that people's, you know, the way we socialize is changing. Our priorities are changing. We are buying and drinking better, full stop. Um, and we, we're more discerning in what we put in our bodies, I think, mm. which is, you know, and what we do with our bodies um, and what we put on our bodies. So in, in that sense, that that's a, a really exciting time for us. I think there was a, a chap called Victor Hugo who said something along the lines of, you know, you can't resist an idea whose time has come. And I feel like, you know, the time has come where we can balance the scales and people can have access to great choices um, in the non-alcoholic space and, and that actually you should be able to get a great drink regardless of whether it's got alcohol in. Mm, yeah. And so from a business perspective, yeah, you're right. The timing so, so on point. People are far more aware, as you said, of how they're, what they consume, you know, being health conscious, people talking about life longevity, gut health. I think things that used to be so granular i guess now are mainstream i think people you know they want to even on cereal i'm seeing gut health messaging on cereal and on granola because people care now so much more about the different nuances of what they're consuming and i think choosing to not drink alcohol you know i think this, the stats are crazy around like you know university students that, that are completely teetotal you know just was mm -hmm. unheard of i mean i didn't go to university either but for the majority of my friends that did that was just basically three years of drinking nothing else that's all they did so i think yeah. people are like wait people are going to university and not drinking what are they doing for three yeah. years yeah. you know there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you first launched with the idea and, you know, I said you said that it went really quickly, was the response straight away, yes, this is what people are looking for? Did you have any people that kind of thought, nah, this isn't going to work, nobody's going to want that? I mean, I, I think uh, the one phrase that I always I always keep in my mind because it's you know it's easy to get carried away with drinking the Kool Aid and you know all, all really exciting and uh, these amazing bartenders that love it and etc. Um, one guy said to me that it tasted like witch's piss, <laughs> which <laughs> which um, I you know I I kind of always keep in my mind that not everybody love seedlip and not everybody wants a is a non-alcoholic option and you know i have plenty of people it took me two years to create seedlip and i had loads of people say what's the point this will never sell a bottle uh you know the, the, this just isn't necessary um and when we launched in selfridges you know the the response for the most part was this is amazing thank you because i agree we need better options when you're not drinking alcohol. You know, orange juice and fizzy water just aren't really special or cutting it. Um, 
So I would say that, you know, the response we had from some of the world's best chefs and best bartenders and, um, you know, being invited to Buckingham Palace and making cocktails for Kate Moss, all this wonderful, you know, lovely, you know, boost you up. This is a really good sign kind of early feedback we got was brilliant but you know there were lots of people that still just you know what the hell is a distilled non-alcoholic spirit you know that doesn't even make any sense Mm. um and yeah the witch's piss (laughs) comment is just one that yeah always helps ground me and keep my feet on the floor (laughs) that's wicked and i guess as well it's nice for people to know that actually you can have a divisive product or a divisive service or you know the the idea that somebody would have your brand logo tattooed on their arm and then detour out of their way in their life to come to the airport to essentially kidnap you is i mean it's kind of terrifying but also i mean that's some brand loyalty right there like that is crazy that story is crazy but i guess as i said can be divisive it doesn't mean that um yeah you're not gonna please everybody uh yeah i mean wow but i think for someone else you know you see you had this idea and you know you wanted to enjoy something non-alcoholic yourself so therefore you know created this but i think in general you know on this show i speak to so many different people different industries i'm always trying to pick out you know the actionable takeaways what is it about somebody you know that that made them take action and you know with their great idea because i believe that so many people have good ideas they have you know maybe not not that everyone should be an entrepreneur i certainly don't think that's you know right i don't Uh think everybody should start a business but i think people have way more to contribute and even if it's not in the business sense maybe it's just in their personal life or a hobby but a lot of people just don't do anything with it. You know, they, they they use this thing of, oh, I don't know where to start or how to start or I don't have any connections or I'm not. I don't know. There's just there's all these reasons that hold people back. So, yeah, when it comes to actionable advice, like for anyone listening to this show who thinks, oh, yeah, that's me, actually, I, I've had great ideas around this or that. I just never do anything with it. What would you say is the first thing that they should do to make a start? I um, I love Venn Diagrams. Uh, I find them really easy ways of uh, combining things to find a sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, I guess my simplest one is, you know, a circle with the word love and a circle with the word need overlapping. Mm-hmm. If you if you can understand and truly know what you love and combine it with something that people need, then I, I think that is the beginnings of having an idea or a concept to start playing around with and, and start developing. I, I, I kind of feel like, and I can only, I'm only giving you my own bias here, um, which is that it's, it needed to be personal and it needed to be a part of an expression of who I am and how I see the world, that I was going to pour everything that I love cherish and hold dear um, into a bottle uh, with the hope and the belief that this might meet a need in people's lives. And, and I think when you can combine those two things, um, and that, that really means, you know, that means understanding what, what matters to you. Um, and it means being really curious and, and, and aware of what's going on in the world and what, what do we need now and what problems or challenges are people facing? Mm. Because if, yeah, if you can meet love and need together, that that's creates this win-win for you personally and for enough people in society. I think that's, that's hope. 
as I see it, that's that's where really good businesses can can begin. Yeah, I love that. That's brilliant. And actually, I was thinking about, as you said, you know, the things, the passion projects, the things that I do. And I feel so grateful because I'm like, oh, my gosh, I love my job. I love what I get to do. And I say that to people all the time. You know, I love Mondays. And it's that thing of mm-hmm. on a Sunday mm-hmm. night, I look at my week ahead and I'm always so excited. I'm like, oh, wicked. I'm doing this this day and then I'm interviewing that person and then I'm going to this event. And it's amazing. But actually, as you said, if you're doing something that you love, brilliant, great. But obviously, it's the world we live in. You know, you need to be able to monetize it. You need to earn money is it yes. something that people need is it are you adding yeah. to something that already exists and there's you know seven thousand versions of the same thing and i think yeah. at the moment as well that's maybe right now you know given this situation this crazy situation that we're in with the covid crisis and you know as you just described what does the world need right now and what's important uh-huh. to you maybe this time for some people maybe we'll see some amazing innovation and creativity off the back of this because people are i guess heads down now going what can i do to help what do people need and yeah i guess that without that need element it's not it's not going to work yeah yeah i i agree you know a friend of mine just set up a an online deli um for her local you know her local community and she's never done anything like that before but she saw the need she loves her food and drink and she knows great produce and and she's been involved with other great kind of food and drink companies so she has access to knowing who they are and she's combined a kind of she's she's combined something she's passionate about and a need that her community has and and she's gone and done it you know they're they're in times of crisis often uh come come the best ideas i think Mm, yeah well we'll see i guess time will tell i mean obviously we have no idea how long this is gonna carry on and i think for some people you know as well there's the kind of thing of well what after because right now people Mm -hmm. could need this or they might need her online deli or but it's kind of people i think are afraid to pour you know time and energy and invest into something which they think oh maybe in a month's time everything's just Mm going to go back to normal but i mean i can't realistically foresee that you know, it's going to surely have to, there's going to, I don't know what the next phase looks like, but I can't, it's never going to be a switch where we just switch the switch and go everybody back to business as usual. No, I think it, it's, um, I'm a massive optimist and, you know, I'm positive about the future, but it's, in, you know, we talk a lot at Seedlip about, you know, the way in which people are changing how they socialize. And, um, and this is a massive factor now with what's going on that plays a part into that. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a, it's definitely going to be a new normal. Um, and we'll see there's plenty of people out there who, who've written things that I've read that say, we're going to bounce back to exactly how it was before. Mm. Um, we'll talk about there might be some change and a new normal, but actually we're creatures of habit and we'll go back to the old habits that we had before. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. I'm in the same camp as you. I'm an optimist. I'm, you know, very... You know, I love people and I believe in people. Mm-hmm. And I think I always, you know, I'm an, I often say I'm a professional encourager. You know, it's like I'm Mrs. Positive mm-hmm. all the way. And actually, I do agree in in, a, in the way that I think we have short short memories you know like I think yeah. it's it's 
it's built into us to forget things that Mm -hmm. are difficult and traumatic and so sometimes I think actually even myself I'm like am I going to remember this in the way that I feel it right now and and is that going to change and you know it's interesting a few months ago you know I'd be sitting on a panel discussing you know wellness trends or or whatever and there was one where the you know the whole panel I felt like the room the energy in the room just seemed to be very anti-digital very anti-social media I was talking about the fact that you know we've got to go back Mm to you know being together we've got to get off these screens we've got to put our phones away and you know interact with the person sitting in front of you and you know make sure when you're having a meal you know with our children and with you know relatives uh-huh. we've got to look them in the eye and you know get off these screens and that literally was the you know everyone was saying that the screens was actually you know melting our brains and that essentially human connection is everything and you've got to be you know in the room and obviously now we are not able to be in the room you're not able to look at person in the eye hold their hand as you said we can't do it <laughs> yeah. so actually afterwards I don't know I've heard people saying oh this is going to be great because you know in terms of essential travel business you know if we can do all these things via zoom calls if we can connect the world without having to fly across the world and all these things it's going to be better but as you as as that you know the the anti-social media people were kind of battling for this like let's ditch digital you know if we didn't have digital right now what state would the world be in right so it's a fine fine line yeah i i don't you know, I, I look at our Albie, our seven and a half year old, and you know, she knows she knows what Google is and she knows, you know, she knows what all these screens do and that's normal for her. You know, mm. it's normal for her to see us on our phones and it's normal for her to she knows how to watch a video on YouTube and that's that's not us that's not us trying to deprive her of it. That's just you know she's got schoolmates and they talk and you know children are, are resourceful um so i i think you can't you can't we can't build this world where there are no screens it's not going to happen it's it's normal for people to grow up now with screens and phones and social media it's just balancing it right it's not black or white mm. um it's just a balance and it's just as with you know the world of drinks and the drinks industry it's just about moderation and and just finding finding that happy balance i think yeah rather than us needing to be so extreme yeah i guess we like extremes though we like to polarize don't we you know it's got a black or white yes or no and actually i mean i'm very interested to see obviously how we yeah come out of this and what that means for as you said i hadn't really thought about it just from a socializing and leisure perspective but you know things like big festivals and you know Mm. big gatherings where where we socialize and i really you know i hope that when we do get back to that we can enjoy it safely and you know it's going to be cool but yeah, it's, it's definitely scary times to think that we don't know. It's perfect, uh, perfect kind of environment that people who've started their own business will understand because fear and, and change and the unknown, which are all, you know, so prevalent now across the world in people's lives are exactly, you know, the three massive potentially driving forces that take place when starting a business. Um, so, yeah, I, I know... I feel really proud of how my team has adapted to this Mm. um, because they have been conditioned, I guess, uh, in a way around embracing change and fear and the unknown um, simply because that's been part of the journey that we've sort of been on over the last four years as a, as a group of people um, to try and, 
walk together through it rather than running away from it or freaking out about it. Um, and, and as you say, you know, relying on fantastic digital tools to communicate with each other and to our audience. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, it, it is, it's going to be, it is, it's going to be an interesting one coming out the other side yeah yeah and no, it's really i love the way you describe that actually that you know the fear and uncertainty that's just the entrepreneur's life that's this day to day yeah so i'd love to talk to you ben about the power hour so listeners of the show they will know all about my power hour and my morning routine and i'm always curious to find out about other people's if they have a morning routine what does it look like and is it intentional you know is it is this something that they've curated every single day with a certain intention and how it impacts the rest of their day their week and essentially their whole life so yeah i know you have two young children so i'm sure it's changed for yeah. you but could you tell us do you have a morning routine a power hour what time does your day start and what does the first hour usually look like yeah so i'm i'm a massive you know advocate of early mornings um and early nights i do my best thinking early in the morning or while driving they're my two kind of areas where i get my best work done i've had a few different routines and having an eight-month-old has definitely you know challenged those massively you know i think before kids i would i was the I'm up at five and I get the majority of my work done before people's working day begins. So I would, when I worked in a design agency, I would get up at 4.30. I would leave home at five so that my commute was only 40 minutes rather than two hours. And then I'd do all of my work pretty much before kind of 10 o'clock in the morning. And then I would leave the office at two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and I, I kind of tend to work in sprints. So I will, I need to leave work alone for a while to, and then be able to come back to it. So my mornings are kind of get up, hopefully um, River, my, my daughter, isn't awake, <laughs> you know, at five o'clock in the morning, but she was this morning. Right. And then I can creep downstairs and... Uh, get a coffee and a glass of water and I can, I can do some work and do some thinking um, and then take a walk outside. Um, so yeah, mine's a bit of a, mine's a bit of a movable feast at the moment, I would say. Mm. But I love yeah. Mine. But again, I love that. Yeah. Great. Cause I'm obviously, obviously power hour queen. I'm like, yes, everybody mornings is golden, but I think, you know, describing that it changes, obviously it's changed as you had children, but you're still, you're still getting up and utilizing that time. You're still working early. Whereas I think often the temptation, I think if you're, yeah, if your routine changes is to kind of go, Oh, I don't know. I'll just get up and go with the flow, but you still got an intentional, there's still intention there. Mm. Yeah. Mornings are everything. And you said about walking, is that something that you do every day? Do you do any other movement practices in the day? Uh, yes, yeah, so we've got, I mean, we've got dogs and we, we live in a farmhouse on a farm um, and are surrounded, you know, very luckily by uh, fields and woods. So this is a new, a newish routine, family walk in the morning, first thing after breakfast. Um, and right now, you know, it's spring. So there's so much to teach the kids you know, about what's going on in the hedgerows and listening to different bird calls and identifying different plants that it's a really, that's a really lovely way to start the day. Um, 
and then walk the dogs. And I do quite a lot of uh, exercise, actually gardening. Um, you know, be amazed the workout you can get from digging and weeding mm. um, and lifting lifting wheelbarrows and buckets, etc. Um, so no, I uh, that's my plenty of walking outside as much as possible um, and making sure that I get my hands dirty. Wicked, yeah, it sounds good. And actually, it sounds like a really nice way to start the day and especially in combating to the fact that, yeah, I guess the screens, the digital, we are having to be, personally, I'm on my screens a lot right now with, you know, Zoom calls and videos mm. and emails, etc. So I think starting your day outside with daylight, natural light in nature is, yeah, just a really, really beautiful way to start the day, especially given this weather, you know, we're so yes. lucky right now, the sun is shining. Can you oh. imagine if this situation was happening at the same time we had those back-to-back storms you know storm dennis or whatever right i think that would just be the end that would that would be officially too much for all of us to bear absolutely so before i ask you my closing question ben this interview has been absolutely wonderful before i ask you my closing question can you tell us where people can find you online if they wanted to connect is the best way through linkedin through instagram um yeah so three places probably cliptrinks.com is is our our website so want to find out more about uh, us as a company about our products and you can buy Lip there um you can also find out about our baby sister brand called acorn aperitifs that we launched um so go to the website best bet uh we're seedlip drinks on instagram i'm seedlip ben on instagram quite a good way to uh, see what we're up to and then yeah linkedin i'm on as well which uh from a business perspective, it's always quite useful. Yes, and I should probably say that as a big fan myself of non-alcoholic spirit, because I always used to get the questions of, you know, why aren't you having a drink? And, oh, you should be, you know, be fun. And like that kind of pressure, the peer pressure of like, if you're not having alcohol, when for whatever reason it was, as you said, for me, it might be that, you know, if I'm training for a race, obviously, you know, in in the lead up to a marathon or something like that, I'd be like, oh, I've got to get up super early. I'm going to be up at half five. Mm. I've got to run. I've got to get you to school. And I still want to go out and have fun. I'm not this like party pooper just because yes. I'm not having, you know, alcohol. <laughs> yeah. But actually, I think yeah. it's been a great, like, segue in the middle. You know, it's like I can still... And I actually make it at home as well. You know, I make non-alcoholic right. cocktails at home and it's still, you know, it's still as fun. You don't, yeah. you don't feel like you're missing out. It's great. Thank you. So my closing question, which I ask to every guest this season on the show, is all about time. I do believe that, you know, the power hour is a really great way to start your day and cultivating an hour for yourself. Because lots of time people tell me, I don't have time, Adrienne. I don't have time for a power hour. So if you were given an extra hour each day, you now have 25 hours in your day. What would you use the extra hour to do? I think, and it's it's uh, front of mind right now with spring going on and my kids at home, obviously, that an hour with my wife, my daughter's, and our two dogs out in our garden um, doing nothing in particular, but just, you know, just being outside and being together as a family. You know, you, this this is now the time when certainly I'm really aware of how much time you get to spend together as a family, which is, is fantastic. And you kind of, uh, I don't want to take that for granted. So, yeah, I'd, I'd give it one hour of... Uh, how many that's six of us basically me and my girls out in the garden 
Amazing. That's lovely. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Ben, for joining us today. I hope that you and your family stay well. I hope to connect with you on the other side of this perhaps yep. we can um yeah perhaps we can meet we face go for a face. drink exactly yeah who knows <laughs> and thank you so much for tuning in to the power hour and listening to the podcast i hope you're staying well staying safe as always you can rate and review the show on itunes or you can get in touch on social media as well stay safe have a great week see ya When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.